This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Part number three of the core. We're going to be working from these words. Discover purpose. Discover purpose. You might say, I've seen that somewhere. Well, it was in our lobby. It's something that we work from here at our church. Uh, God connected me to a a group called Association of Related Churches several years ago. And it connected me to a gentleman by the name of Chris Hodges. And he wrote a book concerning this that I felt came into my spirit at the right time that I needed some good, clear direction. And I offer it to you. I've been doing this every February for several years. I believe that the promises of God are wrapped up in these four core promises, Exodus 6, Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. The very first one, week number one. You can go back on our our app and hear it. God's plan for all people. God's plan for all people is to reach into your heart and save you. Not to just be good to you. Not to just make your marriage better. Not just to give you good health. No, God's plan is for you to have your name written in the Lamb's book of life. Salvation. And we believe with all of our heart here at this church that the, the starting point for all people, all white, black, male, female, all young, elder, you name it, all people, the starting point is for you to get to know God, to know God in salvation. Then it gets really good because we see, as we read, he wants to bring us out from under the burden of the Egyptians. But he goes on to say this, I don't want to just save you and be done. I want to save you and then I want to partner with you and I want to rid you out of their bondage. He wants to get you out of sin and get the sin out of you. And a lot of people come to know the Lord and salvation, but they... But they still struggle with all the same stuff they struggled with before they ever met Jesus. And you don't have to work. You don't have to work for your salvation. But once you're saved, you do have to go to work from that point of salvation. You can't come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and never change. Boy, wouldn't, I mean, that, that, would, be, that would be so silly. What would be the point of everything? The point is... Jesus doesn't want to leave you the way he found you. He wants to get the sin out of your life. And I'll I'll go further and say he wants to get the issues settled. He wants to settle all the stuff that you've been struggling with for a long time. The stuff you dealt with as a kid. The stuff that you, uh, and I'll use a little air quote here. The stuff you inherited through your bloodline, through your heritage, through their upbringing. As we said last Sunday, if you weren't here, you need to hear that message. The blood of the lamb will always trump the bloodline you were born into. Always. You can say, well, I was born into this family. That's fine. But when you're born again, you're born into him. Well, I get it from the DNA of my daddy. I do this because of how my... Now you have a heavenly father. So go back and listen to that. But here we go. Point number three. It's today's message. Not only will I rid you out of their bondage, I will redeem you. Everyone say the word redeem. That's going to be the key word all day long. I will redeem you. How? With a stretched out arm 
and with great judgments. And I will take you to me for people, and I will be to you a God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Let's get started today. God promises that you can know him in salvation. He promises that you can find freedom from your past. And he promises today's message that you can discover your purpose. This word redeem is not one that you probably use every day, but it's a good one. The word redeem, just a good old-fashioned dictionary definition, means to, number one, to buy back. God promises that he will buy you back. He will buy you back. Notice, not just buy you, but buy you back. That means we're going back to our original state, correct? Number two definition, to repurchase. We're going to buy back. We're going to be repurchased. Definition number three, my favorite, to change for the better. When you come into relationship with God, he always wants to change you for the better. Now, a lot of people keep Christianity at an arm's length, right? Because they're like, I don't want to change and become like her or to become like him it's mainly because their perception of her and him are, are types of people that they don't want to become. Well, trust me, God has a plan that's custom, that is specific for you, and he wants to change you for the better you. God's always wanting to improve us, not to set us back. He's wanting to advance us. And then definition number four, he wants to reform repair, and or restore. So let's work from that word redeem today. Denora and I, uh, we got lucky enough to have a piece of furniture given to us by my mother that was given to my mother by her mother. Uh, my grandmother died when she was 96 years old and had some beautiful, real solid, uh, well-made furniture and she gave it over to my mom. Well, my mother was in a place in their lives that, that they really didn't have need for that furniture. And my mom knew that Denora and I had a dream of building a home. And God's blessed us to build that home. So when the timing was right, uh, she told us where we could find that furniture over in Louisiana back home. And I took uh, my truck over there and we, we loaded up this furniture. Well, when we, when we received it, it was as, as beautiful as anything. Unfortunately, though, it was a whole different look and a whole different color than anything we were going for in our, in our home that we just built. So what we did is we took that furniture in its well-built, well-maintained state. But check this out. It was it was out of use because it didn't look, it did not function the way we needed it to function for us. So we hired a, a friend of ours that's actually a part of our church that was here in the 9 o'clock service that for a hobby, uh, she, she restores. Everyone say restores. She restores and repurposes old furniture. So we paid her a little love money, and she went to that piece of furniture and stripped it down, cleaned it up, and, and took it all the way back to its raw version, to its original built, it, it, how it was originally built. Through the years, it had had this color put on it, that color put on it. It had this hardware and then that hardware. I could see in the doors where there were certain drill holes from 
previous hardware that was not even in use anymore. It had been worn out. So my friend took it all the way back to its original state and then made it new again. That is the clearest picture that I can share with you about redemption. What God wants to do in your life is to have a good view of all of the wear and tear that life brings to us. But he wants to strip all of that off of you and take you back to your original purpose. And he wants you to discover what the original purpose was for your life in the very beginning. So God is in the saving business because he allows us to know him. He's in the delivering business because he allows us to find freedom. And then according to this message this morning, he is most definitely in the redeeming business because he wants you to understand your original purpose. Back to our text, Exodus 6 and verse number 6. Just how will he redeem us? Two things that scripture points out that I'll teach from for the next few moments. The first of which it says, I will redeem you with a stretched out arm. In other words, you are within reach of God's love. Well, Pastor Tommy, that's, that's one thing for you to say about so-and-so. But you have no idea how low I've gone in, in my life. You don't know. I'm on the bottom of the barrel, so to speak. It's okay. You're within reach of God's love. Pastor Tommy, I get it. You're a preacher. Of course you're going to say that. But you don't understand the darkness in my heart. You don't understand the thoughts that I have entertained. You don't understand the choices I've made. I've done things that no one knows about. And, and, and God knows about them. And he still says, you're within reach of his love. <laughs> Anybody seen that funny, goofy little commercial where there's friends sitting around the table and the waiter comes by and he puts the check in the middle of the table and there's that one guy with the little alligator arms and he, and he just, and he says, don't worry everybody, I got this one, I'm going to pick this one up. Now listen, don't be offended by the little short arm joke. I'm one of them, so don't be offended by it. I can pick on short people. I'm short. Guess what? Your sin debt, it's within reach of the love of God. Bible tells me that his arm is not short. But you don't understand how far I've gone. His arm's not too short. You don't understand what I've done. His arm's not too short. My dad, we were standing in a catfish restaurant in Louisiana one time, and, and my sister was recently married, and the cat she married, he was one that, that come every single meal, every single meal, he just took it for granted that my dad was going to pick up the tab. And the guy that I'm referring to always carried his wallet in his back pocket. And we're at this restaurant where you didn't pay at the table. You went to the register. You went to the register to pay. And we were all standing there in line. And my dad was so frustrated that he's never offered to pay. My dad said, would you just at least reach for your back pocket just one time? I don't 
need you to pay. I'll handle it, but just, just, just reach. Just, 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 just reach. So now, now that, now that I'm employed and grown and got my own family, every time I'm with my dad, I'm like, I got this. <laughs> I got this. I fumble around long enough. Have you ever fumbled it? You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever fumbled it? You're like, I, 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 I. you just fumble long enough, somebody's going to say, I got it. Well, guess what? He's not even fumbling. He's not fumbling around. He's not trying to ask where his love's at. He's got so much love for you, man, that he's easily reaching the very thing you need him to bless you with. How far down will he willing to go? Well, the book of Psalms, chapter number 18, verse 35, in the NIV says it really in a good way. The psalmist says in verse 35, you stoop down to make us great. Now, I had no intention of saying it, but it came out of my mouth in the first service. That, to me, sounds like the beautiful depiction of what Jesus did on the cross. He stooped down and he picked up that cross and he carried it up Golgotha's hill. He went so down to be, to be murdered like a criminal and he had yet did not break one single law. He humiliated himself at the point of the cross to stoop down so low to let every single one of us know he's willing to go as far as he has to go. In order to see you saved. Somebody clap your hands like you believe that. Yeah. Oh, how many of you know God's good? God is good. He is so good. Psalm chapter 40, verse 1 through 3 in the King James Version of Scripture says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me, and he heard my cry. Listen what he says. He says in verse 2, he brought me up. Out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, set my feet upon a rock. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on to say now that he's up and out, the Bible says that he established my goings. In other words, Clayton, what God did for the psalmist that he wants to do for us is pull us out of sin. That's where we get to know God and salvation. He wants to get the sin issues out of our lives. That's, that's where we find our freedom. But he also wants to establish your goings. The other night, Friday night, I uh, took my little girl, Esme. I took her to a father's daughter Valentine's dance. And it was so much fun because I grew up that I couldn't dance. Uh, not that I didn't have the ability. I got moves like Jagger. But I, I wasn't allowed I wasn't allowed to dance. The only dancing we did, it was at the altar. And it was that goofy church shout thing. But I wasn't allowed to dance. Uh, because, you know, we just thought that if we, if we were to be caught dancing, man, it, I mean, there was a pitchfork and a long tail right next to us. It was the work of sin in our hearts. And all of my Baptist friends, you know what I'm talking about. And all of my Methodist friends, you know what I'm talking about. And all of my Pentecostal friends, you better run a lap because you know <laughs> what I'm talking about. So when Esme and I walked into the father's daughter dance, I'm not going to lie. 
I was struggling with these mixed feelings. I felt that old condemnation of my past thinking, I'm leading my own daughter to hell. Here I am. I shouldn't be caught doing this. And then the other half of me was saying, I'm free. I'm free. I fit in a cut of rug like nobody's business. And Denora's not here to make fun of me. None of the church people are here not make fun of me. And, man, we looked out on that dance floor, and we saw our competition. And, man, there were other dads, and there were other moms, and I started sizing them up. I'm like, they ain't got no rhythm. Uh-uh, they ain't got no moves. And I leaned over to Esme. She's just seven. And I said, I think we could take this tonight. And Esme took it to a whole nother level. She said, oh, they're trash. (laughs) And I said, girl, don't ever call anybody trash. And she said, no, just the way they're dancing. And I said, that's right. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) So I led her out to the dance floor. And I'm telling you, the strobe light was going. The bass was kicking. And I realized I have no idea what to do. (laughs) So we kind of made up our own moves. We made up the high five. So me and little Esme walked by. I should have had her come over and we'd show it. We'd high five here and drop it like that. Is that not cool? We'd drop it like that. And then we'd come back. We'd come back like this. And the strobe light was there. So we named that the light. So when, when I would say, do the light, do the light, we would go, But the best move, the best move, she leaned up and she said, Dad, 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 I'm going to run to you and I'm going to jump. You catch me and when we land, spin me. And I thought, I've been wanting to do this since I was like five. So she ran and it was like slow-mo, man. She ran and she jumped. All the other bad dancers are frozen. I catch her. We lock eyes. I drop her, and I spin her. I had to pick her up. (laughs) We put the bow back on, and I spun her again. And then, here's where I'm going. I had to get a hold of her and say, "Uh, you're going backwards. And I got her, and I set her in her direction. Here's what the world does, man. The world spins you. It spins you. It messes you up. It gets you out of balance. It gets your equilibrium off. You just think this is permissible. You think that way of living is normal. You think that divorces, that's just what we do. You think abuse, well, that's just normal. It's just part of the spin factor of the the world. You think that this lifestyle, that's, that's just normal these days. You think that way of thinking and talking is just normal these days. And God says, I'm gonna pull you up. I'm going to pull you out, but I'm also going to establish your goings. How's he going to establish my goings? With a stretched out arm. Because some of us were so low. He had to get down low to pull us up. But the Bible says not only will he redeem you with a stretched out arm... It says he'll redeem you with acts of judgment. Now, here's what I know. Some of you right there checked out because you grew up in a church that was full of judgment. It's not talking about judgment against you. God says, I'm going to redeem you with bringing down judgment on your enemy. That was the whole beauty of the cross. 
when Jesus went to the cross and gave his very life, he brought judgment against sin. He brought judgment against the enemy. Here's how my Bible reads that he conquered. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. He conquered all there was to conquer by because he wanted to buy you back. He wanted to repurpose you and restore you. And he knew the only way he was going to do that was to go into the very pit to get you. And he also knew that there was someone else that also had a plan for your life. And it was the plan of the enemy in the darkness. You see this group of few students that are here. And there's other students sitting right back there. In the first service, I saw a handful of students. Let me tell you something. Without question, God has a plan for their life. But if you don't believe that the enemy has a plan for them as well, you're, 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 living, in, you're living under a rock. The enemy has a plan for all of our lives, especially our young people and our children. But God says, I will bring judgment against your enemy. And I will silence the voice in their life. I will quench that voice. I will silence that voice. I will smear that voice out. And he does that by redeeming you. Someone say amen. Amen. Let me close with this today. Last year's version of this message, because this is a series I do every February. Last year's version of this message, I gave you three ways to get off track. To wander off into a, a, a bad place in your life. And if you'd like to hear that message, it's archived. I'm not going to spend too much time here, but I want to remind you of the three ways because it's leading to my final point. If you're not careful, sin will get you off track of your purpose. But then there's something called wounds. Sin is the work of your flesh and the work of the darkness and the enemy of your life. But wounds are brought on by people. And I've been wounded by people. And I've wounded people. I've been wounded by family. And I've wounded family. I've been wounded by church members, and I've wounded a few church members. Because all of us are candidates. We all qualify for the opportunity to offend and be offended. And God says today to you, don't allow the sin or the wounds, the spirit of offense, don't allow the the, the, the offense of someone or you offending someone to get you off track. I want to redeem you. I want to use you for my glory. Talk about these two things. I'm kind of jumping my notes. So for all of you that have the notes downloaded, bear with me. Go with me to the very end because I've, I've gone too long today. Let me give you these two final statements or two final points. We have to discover our purpose and we have to develop it. I want to do this in this service as I try my best to kind of pierce through the, through the lights. And I will use my friend Colt as an example. My friend Colt Smith helps lead worship in this church. And Colt has a gift like nobody's business. He's, an, he's a fabulous drummer. He's an incredible actor. I've seen him in live plays in Burleson at community theaters. Phenomenal actor and entertainer. We know him to have a phenomenal voice. Leads worship. 
My friend Scott Combs is not here today. He had to work, but his wife Christy and family is here. And one day we were at the, at the gym for volleyball games with all of our kids, and Scott blew my mind. Scott said, hey, I've, I've never mentioned this to you, but uh, do you know, is, is that guy Colt, is he going to be singing tomorrow? And I said, I don't know. And my first thought was, does he, what, what's the matter? Is he not like cold? Uh, you know, never know where it's coming from, right? And I said, I don't know why. He went, dude, I may not come if Colt's not singing. I love Colt. <laughs> what's my point? He's got a gift. Now, here's what I want you to help. I, I want to help you know. I can use that as an example. And then I can talk about my friends James and Karen Pierce. They're not up here leading singing today. But they were in the prayer room before the service started praying over me and over you. Platform, visual, and stinking good at it. Behind the scenes, prayer room, interceding for you. And some of you just, right now you said, me? Yeah, you. Over every chair, every, every, every pew, every song, every word interceding. Why? Gifted at it. Called to it. And really good at it. The quicker you discover your purpose, you are given an open door of being able to develop that which you now have discovered. Here's where most people stay. Gifted, talented, needs to be in the public view, but remains in the shadows. Most people, gifted and talented, used for intercession, but chooses to let someone else do it. What God's will is for your life is for you to discover your original purpose. What was the original purpose of the cabinet that we have been given from my grandmother? That was, that was 14 different paint jobs through the years. What was the original purpose? To be a cabinet. You have an original purpose. Your purpose is not your job. Your purpose is not how you make a living. Your purpose in life is to bring God glory. Your purpose in life is to serve God by serving other people. And when you discover what it is that, that God's gifted you in, now you develop it. How do I develop it? You get in the game. My buddy Jacob Hinojosa, I, I didn't know you were in this service, Jacob. I figured you were next door serving somewhere. Jacob Hinojosa is here in this service, and Jacob's got a call of God on his life for ministry. He's a barista at Starbucks, works hard, puts in a lot of hours. He's around people constantly. And, and you know, whether you're a preacher or a barista, you're still in the same business. It's called people business. And, and, and I've known that Jacob's called of God, and he has shared that with me. And, and there came a point where I thought, I, I, I want to give Jacob an opportunity. And I selected a men's night. And I said, Jacob, I'd love for you to speak at a men's night. And he was quick to say yes to that. The Sunday morning before men's night, I bumped into Jacob with his mother and father and his brothers. His brothers are great 
baseball players. They're athletes. And we were all in the lobby. And these boys are in high school. And they're athletic and baseball players. And I said, Jacob, did you, did you ever play baseball like your brothers? And the family snickered and laughed. And I knew, uh-oh, I've hit a sore subject. And Jacob said, oh, yeah, I played. I just wasn't any good. And I said, oh, man, that's no big, no big deal. I said, what, what happened? And Jacob said, well, I would just always strike out. And everybody kind of snickered and laughed. But I asked him, I said, well, well that, that doesn't, that's, that's not a big deal. Did you strike out looking or swinging? And he said, oh, I struck out swinging. Some of you are striking out and you're just looking. Dude, nothing wrong striking out. But swing the stinking bat. Some of you are striking out and all you you're striking out because you're sitting. You're looking. You're not living. You're just existing. If that's called existing anyway. Won't you pick up a bat? Get in the game. God promises you, you can know me in salvation, but I'm not done with you now. I want you to know me in salvation. I'm going to write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, and we're going to spend eternity together. But until I either rapture you or until your time on earth is done, I need to set you free from your issues, and I really need you to know your purpose. Because your purpose is not clocking in Mondays and clocking out on Fridays. That's called a job. And a job has never been a purpose. Once you find your purpose, you can clock in and never even clock out. How do we help? This church is equipped and ready to help you as soon as this service is over. It's called growth track. We can help you in the discovering process by asking a few simple questions about getting to know you a little bit better. And and it won't take us long to kind of find out where your passion is and, and what makes you tick and what makes you happy. But then we'll partner with you in getting you into the right place in the kingdom serving to find you an ability to develop your gift. You might just be the next colt. Lord have mercy, Jesus. You might be the next James and Karen. But I tell you what you can't afford to be. That's another not on a log and a body on a pew. God's plan is for you to pick up the bat, get in the game, and swing, baby, swing. Stand with me today. Thank you, Jesus. So my little girl, Esme, is trying her hand at basketball. And yesterday, she, she stole that ball about three or four times. Boy, she's a little, boy, she'll pick a pocket quick, boy. She's as fast. I mean to tell you, that little dude is just, she's fast. And, and when she gets locked in, she plays down at the Baptist church, and they put these little color codes on them. And so if she's wearing green, she has to guard green. She's wearing red. She guards red. And her crazy preacher daddy's like, get on your girl. Get on your girl. Get on your girl. I mean, I'm the guy that all the other parents are going. 
Denora is constantly saying, baby, please. You're embarrassing us. And I'm like, you're embarrassing me. Get some life about you. My own father walked out of the gym three Saturdays ago. He just had to go to the bathroom. But <clears throat> little Esme yesterday, boy, she'd steal that ball. She'd steal that ball. And she'd start pressing it down the floor. And she'd, she'd get to about the key. And there she is, there she is. And she'd stop. And I just couldn't help it. I'm like, shoot, 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 shoot. And I'm standing up. I'm like in the middle of the floor. Shoot, shoot. She fired up. She hit several yesterday, but she'd get her own rebound. I said, shoot again, shoot again, shoot again. She fired up. And by now, you know, parents are like, pass, pass, pass. And I'm like, no, don't, ball hog. Shoot again, shoot again, shoot again. Nobody else exists. Shoot the ball. I just wish some of you would shoot, man. We've given you the ball so many times. Take the shot. Take the shot. Take the shot. Take the shot. How? Get into a small group. Why do you keep talking about it? Because I'm screaming shoot at you. Get into a small group. Get into a small group. When? Today. How? Lord have mercy. Have you not heard by now? There's an app. It's this thing you download, which means it's been sent from the cloud to your phone. It's called Calvary FTW. And there's a list of all the groups. And there's a person there that you contact. Shoot the ball. Swing the bat. Do something. Because God makes you a promise. If you'll start developing your gift, you're going to be the happiest you've ever been your entire life. Let's clap our hands to Jesus for time. All right. <laughs> I'm six minutes early. Write it down. I'm tired of y'all saying I go long. Six minutes early. Boom. One time a year is pretty good. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for our family. Thank you, Lord, for our church. Thank you, Lord, for purpose. Our purpose is not just to come to church, but be the church. And how we're the church is to honor you and to serve people. I pray a blessing of health. I pray a blessing of happiness. I pray a blessing, God, of spiritual strength upon everyone in this room. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Everyone wanting to go to growth track. Now's the time. Now's the time. Out these doors, behind the wall. We'll feed you, we'll serve.